you don't have to be paid or to go out and speak with people. You can, if, I think a natural trait of a, of a good entrepreneur is curiosity and, and genuinely trying to uncover the root cause of some of the problems that you're trying to solve. Welcome back to Startup Health Now, the podcast where we celebrate the entrepreneurs and innovators who are transforming health. I'm your host, Logan Plaster. Before I jump into today's episode, there's one news item I wanted to mention. This week, Startup Health announced it had received what's called a program-related investment, PRI for short, from the renowned Helmsley Charitable Trust. The funding is aimed at speeding up innovation in the type 1 diabetes market by enabling up to 30 T1D startups to go through Health Transformer University, which is our multi-year program for supporting founders. If you or a founder you know is working to prevent, manage, or cure type 1 diabetes, reach out to us. You can email t1d at startuphealth.com or find the details at startuphealth.com. Now, on to today's episode. Today, I'm talking with Charlie Bullock, the CEO and co-founder of Scan.com, which, to oversimplify, is an online marketplace for diagnostic imaging services. I wanted to dial Charlie up for two reasons. The first is that Scan.com has officially grown from their UK roots to developing a significant beachhead in the United States. I wanted to get a play-by-play about that process and distill some useful cross-border growth strategies for our listeners. The second reason for the call was that Scan.com just, as in this week, announced a major fundraise, which is going to put their US expansion into high gear. In our conversation, Charlie shares a bit of his personal journey as an entrepreneur, gets into all the details about their recent raise, and outlines some do's and don'ts for breaking into the US market. Stick around. Well, Charlie, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the Startup Health Now podcast. Thanks, Logan. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, we have plenty to talk about. We've talked before about Scan.com and what you're building there, but the the theme of this episode is your expansion from the UK to the United States and just all the the steps that that took to get there and kind of your vision for the future. So um, I'm excited to kick this off. Yeah, let's do it. So... Typically, I would ask a founder, kind of, what are you building? Describe for me scan.com. Give me your elevator pitch. But in this case, uh, I'm going to try to reflect it back to you because I think what you're building is sort of wonderfully comprehensible, which is a sign of a good startup. So tell me if I got this correct. So you were building kind of a, a shoppable marketplace experience for the world of diagnostic imaging, things like x-rays and MRIs, so people can schedule quickly, digitally, no more phone calls and also be able to see prices transparently so they can shop around. How did I do? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. Uh, that's exactly what, you know, we've done that in the UK right now and we're building that in the US. Um, I think if I was going to add to that, Logan, I, I would, I'd really emphasize that yes, patients can shop around, but also referring physicians um, and other users of the imaging ecosystems, such as clinical research organizations, and personal injury attorneys, et cetera, can also utilize all of the technology that we've built um, through our through our API and through our B2B marketplace to to order uh, diagnostics for their patients too. Awesome. Now, tell me a little bit about your origin story, how you got into diagnostic imaging. My understanding is that it, it was more from the business and market side versus from like a patient perspective. Sometimes in, in our startup world, somebody has a disease and then they go out to try to create a cure for that disease. 
were you coming at this uh, from the business side or more the patient provider side? Yeah. So, I mean, we I came across it through, I mean, a lot of people have had diagnostics, right? So to the vast majority of people have had an MRI or an X-ray or a CT, so I can't. I mean, that's a great thing from a business perspective, but I, I can't claim I went through a unique experience apart from I went through the experience that everyone else goes through that, mm. that organizing imaging was hard. But, but really, I, I came into this world through through a very good friend of mine who through who, who is a physician himself, um, who actually was seeing patients every single day in the UK, um, typically kind of patients complaining of musculoskeletal symptoms, um, in which they were struggling to organize diagnostics for themselves. Um, in the UK, where we originate from, the, the healthcare system is really backed up. Um, and yet there's so much spare capacity in the, in the in the private sector so so i came across it through through my friend the, the practitioner the physician um and then i i'm from a from, a, from the business world um originally was a actually another marketplace company in in the uh, the food delivery space um and saw the opportunity to connect this really fragmented poorly ran supply side which is imaging centers um to to an increasingly discerning demand side which is patient-based so you had this this uh, specific marketplace technology experience you're bringing it you see an opportunity in healthcare um how well did that experience translate or were there unique uh, hurdles and challenges i think oh, i know yeah. i think i know the answer to that question already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the 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 healthcare world is 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 orders of magnitude more complex than the the food delivery space um there was definitely learnings though uh for sure we we operate a very similar business model to what I've been involved in, in the past. I, I've been at three different marketplace companies and um, started my own one before. And my co-founder Ollie uh, was at Rocket Internet before in the marketplace space too. So we've had a, quite a bit of marketplace experience, but none of us before in the healthcare space. You know, the I suppose the biggest misconception that we we, we went into the healthcare space was that we felt like we could operate at the same pace. Uh, and velocity of what we were used to before, but you know, there's just so many more complexities, so many more stakeholders in, in the healthcare space that we have been forced to operate more slowly and more methodically. Can you put that in numbers or into an experience? Uh, like how fast were you used to moving and how fast does the healthcare uh, marketplace work? Yeah, I mean, so I used to be at a company called Deliveroo. Um, I was responsible for opening up new markets there. Um, and I was literally there for a matter of months. Uh, you know, it was it was a placement that I was on. Um, but this is you know a really good example that when I was there, Uber had just launched into the into the UK, so we were frantically opening up new markets. So I was signing up pretty much you know new, I was signing up new restaurants every single day, and I was integrating those restaurants into our uh, app, typically within a few hours. Uh, you know, thinking about the fragmented world of the imaging ecosystem. It takes us months, if we're lucky, weeks to to stand up an imaging center into our network. Mm. Um, so they, uh, as you can tell, like it's from hours to, to weeks slash months. Uh, and then on the demand side in the UK, you know, some of the health insurance companies that we've been negotiating with, these have actually been multi-year mm. uh, sales cycles. Wow, wow. Um, so you came at this from the marketplace side, you saw an opportunity, you saw a need Part of that need is a frustration, part of that, you know, not having price transparency, having to use the phone. And yet when you get down to it in any sort of healthcare scenario, at the end of the day, you're dealing with 
really improving people's lives in in fundamental ways. And I wonder at what point in this process did it become personal that you saw, you know what, it's not just about decreasing someone's frustration by 10% that actually were improving lives. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I always ask people to do is just look at our trust pilot. Um, and we, we get a handful of reviews every single day. And some of these, you know, incredibly meaningful. Um, you know, we've had people that we've had to send to A and E because we've found, you know, we found a mass which that they actually wasn't even picked up by their family doctor. Um, and I say A and E in the US. That's you know, your equivalent of the ER. Um, we we've impacted people's lives in the fact that they've we've found cancer where they actually would not have ever, they couldn't get a GP or a doctor's appointment for three months in the UK. Mm. And if it wasn't for us, that would have gotten undetected for months. So it those, you know, that, that really brings it home. And then, you know, I have family members and, and, and family friends recently that have not heard of us for whatever reason and, and have had cancer in which they couldn't get a screening test or a diagnostic in the UK for a matter of months. Mm. So there's still... And I always think, you know, whenever that happens, whenever I hear, hear of people that have that have gone on to get some kind of disease which has gone undiagnosed, they haven't heard of us and just what happened if they had heard of us. Um, and that, you know, really motivates me to continue to grow this business so as many people have the option to, to book a diagnostic test without having to go through the complexities of the traditional system. I love it. I love it. Okay. So a big theme of this uh, conversation is your decision to expand from the UK to the US. And integrated into that is that you, the fact that you've had a couple of successful raises, which have allowed you to scale. So tell me about the, the funds you've raised and kind of where you're at right now and kind of what that enables you to do over the next couple of years. Yeah. So so we we did us we were actually very lucky initially because I said you know, we I mean we worked hard but there's an element of luck in that we were able to to bootstrap the business for the first year and so that enabled us to really skip an entire you know, entire round of financing in the early days meant we managed to avoid a lot of dilution but also just learn how to you know to, how to run a business leanly um, and we that's you know, we got the business up to to around a million dollars in, in revenue before having to ever raise any finance. Hold on, um, let, me, let me pause you there because a lot of people in our audience are are entrepreneurs. You just said that it was luck <laughs> that you were able to bootstrap uh, for a year and get up to a million in revenue. What, what? Why would you call it luck and what actually allowed you to do that? Yeah, I mean, it was luck because of the timing and that we, we were in the UK, we were going through quite a bad uh, run of COVID. So all three of the co-founders were working from home and then we actually weren't working at some point. So we had a huge amount of free time to work on this mm. while I was getting paid. Um, and then also like in the sense that our business model allows us to do that, we get paid up front by our patients. We, we then don't pay our imaging centers for, you know, for a matter of weeks, um, sometimes a month or two, depending on turning on the, the, the hostel, the imaging center. So we, we just had, we had cash, um, you know, Basically, we're funding our business and uh, through just you know through the revenue. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we managed to bootstrap in the early days, and then we only decided to raise five months when we wanted to augment our model in in two ways. Number one was to to internationalize the business. Uh, we wanted to expand out of the UK, which is a great market but quite small because we have a, a national healthcare system. Um, and then also we wanted to go from a B to C model which was great, but also limited in size to a, to a B2B2C model. And we wanted to go out and, 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 and 
and target some of the larger enterprises, the, the payers, the insurance companies, the big, large hospital and healthcare systems to use our software. But they have very long, complex uh, sales cycles, which we needed to fund through through venture capital. So we ended up raising uh, a couple million uh, dollars as a seed round from some great investors uh, in the UK and also in Germany. Um, and then uh, we raised a small convertible loan note uh, after about nine months, uh, a million or so dollars. And then we raised a, we've just, um, as of literally this week, uh, and it's we'll be announcing it in the next coming days, but I've been assured this podcast goes out in a week or two. We've just, just raised our, our series A. So that's, um, just over 10 and a half million dollars. Um, and that's going all into, into the U S side of our business. So that's to fund our, you know, to fund our U S business. We were only in one city at the moment, which is Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and this, this round of funding will go into geographic expansion as well as moving into, into a couple of new verticals. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on the series a and what that will enable you to do in the U S. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to have the, these services available to me in Baltimore, Maryland, you know, before you're done spending this money. So <laughs> come, on, come on up north. Uh, let's talk through the expansion. Um, did you know you wanted to expand from the UK to the US from the very beginning or were there key considerations you had to work through? Yeah, um, it was, it, we never, you know, right at the very beginning of when we, we were always a UK business and we actually had Europe in sight before the US. Um, we did a bit of exploratory work into Europe. We actually even put down uh, someone on the ground in the US, sorry, in Germany, to 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 like test that market. We opened up a, a small test there, and we realised that it was just extremely difficult. You know, it's an entirely different healthcare system. In, in well, there's an entirely different healthcare system in each European country. Um, everyone speaks a different language in each different country, so therefore, it was. Ju- we realised that it was going to be really hard. Um, hard work to to actually produce a venture scale uh, healthcare business in Europe, um, and also fundamentally, some of the healthcare systems were working relatively well in our space um, mm. in that market. Uh, our our chief medical officer um, actually happens to to be based in the US. Um, he he and he's been a, he's a very eminent radiologist um, in, in the US and it had a great understanding of the market and, and really brought to our attention that actually what we were doing in the UK could be even more helpful in the US where there's even more fragmentation in imaging centers where there's even more opacity when it comes to pricing um, and financial incentives at stake that we you know we seek to cut through um, so so the US became a target of ours around a year ago and we've literally just launched uh, about five weeks ago five weeks ago in Atlanta when you say we just launched um, what does that actually mean? A, a, an office on the ground or just your contracts are live? Yeah, so we've actually had people on the ground now for around nine months. Um, we've been building up an amazing team in the US. We've got a completely separate team in the US compared to the UK. And they, you know, we have two different teams working on two different products. Um, so it's taken us you know, the best part of a year to actually build out our, our US product, which is you know, completely different software products to the UK. And we did that deliberately because we knew that we we couldn't just run two different healthcare products and two different healthcare systems on on one software code base. Um, so we took that deliberate decision, which slowed our down our entry initially, but you know has set us up for scale in the US. And then when I say launched, we we our you know our first patient started coming through the door five weeks ago, and that, and that scaled up 
massively. You know, every single week we're 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 seeing double digit growth in in the US, um, and we we plan to move outside of Georgia in the next next few months. Fantastic. Um, how are you driving that growth? It, remind me, are you going directly to, to consumers now and allowing them to sign up online? We will do that eventually. Uh, realistically, later this year, we'll be doing direct to consumer. Um, actually, we, we we slightly kind of changed entry point in the US with regards to our strategy and that we, we've, we've gone to the physicians first. Uh, so the physicians, so um, whether it's you know, chiropractors, whether it's family doctors, whether it's um, orthopedic surgeons and or specialists, they are using our software to book their to, to book diagnostics for their patient bases. Uh, where we've seen the most success is kind of the larger surgery and outpatient chains, which typically might have like a centralized administration team, but patients all over the state, and they're using our software to book diagnostics for their patients um, in, in the most. For the most at the most convenient location for that patient, and, and just remind me, remind us what their workflow was prior: a, a large surgery center sending somebody for an outpatient scan. Yeah, so typically the workflow is fax or e-fax. Wow. Um, so they would have a patient, um, the doctor would, uh, the physician um, would send a, you know, would create an order within the internal EHR system of, of that outpatient practice or the outpatient chain. Or group, um, someone on the administrative team would typically pick up that order, order, and then fax it out to a, to a, an imaging center. Um, they have no one. You know, the, the person sending that referral out, that order out for imaging, they don't have any idea you know, how, what the interactivity is between that patient and that patient's insurance and the image and the, the imaging center that's been chosen arbitrarily by by the refer, referring physician. Um, they also don't have any, an understanding of the wait times or the proximity of that imaging center to the patient. Um, so, and then when they've sent off that order, we have no they have no visibility in terms of when that patient's been scheduled. Has the patient turned up? Have they actually had their images? Where are those images? Mm. And, and they basically rely on the patient to come back typically with a CD. If they're lucky, the you know, the imaging center will send them through like an electronic link to view them. Um, but it's an incredibly fragmented and disparate system. Where we come in is is that we sit between those two and we've created this infrastructure layer which allows the patient to have the agency to choose where they want to go, where's the most convenient, and then we allow full transparency in terms of pricing, interactivity, interactivity between how much it's actually going to cost that patient depending on what insurance plan they're on, and then also full transparency in terms of where their images are, where their reports are for the, for the referring physician. Very interesting. I, I know you're relatively early in the process, but how is building a business in the U.S. different from the U.K.? Has, has anything surprised you? Yeah, I mean, lots of things have surprised me. Many things actually for the better, though. Um, you know, I think the the U.S. healthcare system, you know, it's got its challenges as like as the U.K. does. But I do find you know we found the attitude um, to be. Well, we found the attitude of physicians to to be slightly, I suppose, slightly more. Or the, the physicians that we interact with, anyway, are, are probably more early adopters than in the UK, and they are more welcoming of technology, okay. technology solutions. And I, I feel that, and we, you know, we've discussed this as a team. The 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 UK healthcare system is very kind of NHS or national healthcare system based, and therefore, typically, most physicians don't have the agency to be able to actually 
innovate and and take on new solutions. Whereas in the US, you know, most physicians or a lot of physicians are either self-employed or, or relatively entrepreneurial and therefore willing to to adopt a new solution. Gotcha. One of the themes I like to talk about on this podcast, because we deal with uh, founders from so many different countries, is just the benefit of bringing your learnings from one country, one region, and introducing them somewhere else where we might experience leapfrog innovation, where we might uh, change our way of thinking. So I'm wondering how you feel like the ethos of your company uh, is shaped by being born in the UK and kind of what you think you may be bringing to the US market that's unique. Yeah, that's actually, that's an amazing question. Um, really is. I think one of the things that we've learned um, in the UK is just to be incredibly patient because things don't happen quickly. And, and I think patience often in the healthcare setting creates some of the best products. You can rush things, and and you know, the worst the worst thing that you can do is in in the healthcare space is to rush a product launch. Um, and we've really learned, you know, in the UK to take our time and to genuinely craft the proposition around the needs of the physicians, because without that, you don't get any of the stakeholder buy-in. So we've done that in the US. You know, we've really sat. I've spent so many hours sat there with our physicians, the imaging centres, and also the referring physicians to understand truly what they want. Um, I think that's a learning that we've, we've we've had to take from the US. That's what in the UK, that's what's made us successful. You see a lot of startups, whether in the healthcare space or not, just building something on per, pure personal experience without actually talking with the user base. Mm. What's your advice to a founder who hears that and they think, I can't be patient. I haven't just raised $10 million like Charlie has, or I don't have multiple founders who can work from home and, and have are getting paid ahead. Like the factors aren't lining up for me to be patient. Any any strategies? Any any um, any wisdom for them? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, if you're raising that kind of capital, it normally means you're spending quite a lot. Actually, <laughs> you need to raise the money to cover it. Uh, but on the you know, being serious here, like I do, you know, you you don't have to you don't have to be paid or to go out and speak with people. Mm. You know? You can. If, I think a natural trait of a, of a good entrepreneur is curiosity, and, and genuinely trying to uncover the root cause of some of the problems that you're trying to solve. And often they're hidden within, you know, a few layers down. And you really have to. And you know what? If you go, to, if anyone can go and speak with a physician, you can network your way through to a few physicians in the space. And and I, you don't need to raise capital to do that. Yeah. There's a really really good book that I recommend. It's called the Mom the Mom Test. Um, I can't remember who wrote it, but if you Google it, you'll find it. And um, there's a brilliant book, which is all around kind of asking the right questions to uncover, you know, the, the true causes of a problem when you're, when you're designing a, a, a software solution for it. When, when you were in that process, did you go and sit at a diagnostic imaging center and kind of observe what was going on? Oh, it's a huge part of our culture. You know, we like, for example, my co-founder yesterday was at one of our big referring positions in, in the UK. And then last Friday was at another one. You know, everyone and, and with our product manager and our, one of our software guys. So, yes, all the time. Next week I'm out in Atlanta. I've probably got four or five meetings with our either imaging centers or referring doctors, and I just love spending time with them because it, I, every time you're sitting with with one of our users, doctors or imaging centers, you're just uncovering new ideas about how you can make their lives better and therefore our you know our product better. Um, 
And that's the fun of it. I think yeah. the day that I don't get to sit down with one of our users and, and have really cool conversations like that is, is a day where, you know, I, I, I won't as enjoy what I'm doing as much. Yeah. Where do you think this market is going to be five, 10 years from now? Yeah. Great question. I, you, I think the future of the market in the diagnostic space. And when I talk about diagnostics, I'm talking not just about imaging, but also on the pathology, the in vitro diagnostic side and the scoping side too. I think the market will inc- will will stay relatively fragmented, but there will be some consolidation private equity players, but it will still be fragmented enough to, to need us. And, and where I see the market on the demand side going is that a lot, you know, you know this, Logan, does every big payer wants to try and should try and channel a large part of their patient base through to virtual care because it's often seen as a, a more affordable way of doing that and also better experience for the patient. But we we see the market we that the, the, there'll be a need for to, to connect those virtual primary care appointments with diagnostics and in a, in, a, in a manner which is not through fax. Um, so that's a big way the market is going is that there needs to be some kind of inter- there will be some kind of interconnectivity between virtual primary care and virtual diagnostics and, and we want to build that layer and then i think secondly there's a huge shift in the in the space right now towards um healthcare healthcare at home and hospitals at home seeing a lot of that play out in the diagnostic space um whether that's portable x-rays or other diagnostics going out actually to people's homes and seeing the point of care there so there, there are two ways I'm seeing it, seeing the market shift, and you know we we hope to be part of both of those. How does Scan.com's um, consumer side, uh, sort of making things more shoppable, line up with recent legislation around price transparency? A big part of our model really is is on is based around the recent regulation on price transparency as of July last year, forcing forcing large payers to actually disclose their negotiated rates with the providers before then we would never have been able to scale what we're doing properly because we would have to go and negotiate with in each every single payer to disclose their rates to us to make them disclosable to, to disclose them on our website and that would never happen right. so really like our model actually became viable as of july 1st last year wow. um so you know, I've often been asked by investors like, why has no one done this before? And the answer is no one would have been able to do it before July 1st last year. And we just got super lucky with our timing because we actually decided to enter the US market before even knowing that regulation existed. That's fascinating. Okay, so I, I'm hearing a theme here in terms of timing being right for this product combined obviously with a passionate and skilled team. Um, it's really interesting to see how that has combined. Okay, final question for you. Uh, what's a piece of wisdom that maybe you haven't talked about yet that you would give to a another founder who is considering expanding into the United States, not from the UK, could be from anywhere? Uh, you've mentioned patience. Uh, you've mentioned you know understanding uh, the pain points of your of your audience. What's another piece of uh, advice you might give? Find advisors. Um, mm. You know we've got a huge advisory board, and when I say board, I don't mean people were paying or people we've given equity to necessarily it's just every time I have, we have a conversation i have a conversation with someone in the us whether that's through you know some of the contacts like the startup health that we've been put in touch with and you know who backers but also kind of you know, people in industry i'm always asking who else can we talk with who's the you know who's the expert on kind of payer provider relations or kind of contracting with this person or this kind of vertical in the industry and it's really just 
every time you finish a conversation, you're asking someone who else can I talk with and, and building your network up organically over time is 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 a way in which you can really supercharge your learning and, and your ramp up when you enter a new market. And we learned this the hard way because we tried to enter Germany and we didn't do that and, and we ultimately failed and we shouldn't probably have ever gone into Germany if we did that kind of research before. Um, so yeah, build build a really tight advisory team um, you can trust, and you know they'll be able to to, to, to enable you to to move a lot quicker. I love it. I love it, Charlie. Thank you for taking the time with me. Very excited to see that that Scan dot com has has raised this new round, expanding into Atlanta, has its sights set on new cities, and it sounds like the timing is right, the team is right for this idea that's going to help a lot of people. So I'm excited. Thanks, Logan. It's been awesome. All right. Take care. Be well. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. Startup Health invests in health transformers around the world who are dedicated to achieving audacious health moonshots. If you want to learn how you can join this community of entrepreneurs, or if you want to connect with one of our 450 companies, go to startuphealth.com. If you'd like to learn how you can invest in our Health Moonshot Impact Fund, go to healthmoonshots.com. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. We'll be back again with another episode next week.